Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. A long overdue. That's edition of Talk of Champions, because Nick Suss is no longer with us. He now, now covers the Tennessee Titans for the Tennessee, no longer covering Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. He's been doing it for a couple months now. Hey, buddy. Hey, Ben. That was not nearly the enthusiastic, hey, Ben, that I needed. It's been months. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I am I am floored to be back. Um, I have... Uh, I have missed this um, uh, joy uh, in my weekly routine. I will say it's because of you that Ole Miss finished one and five. I mean, I was there for the one. Right. And then you left. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, yeah, I, I think that I ran the numbers on this between baseball and football. The last 20 Ole Miss sporting events I covered, they went 18 and two. Um. I'm not going to say I'm the reason they started losing, but I will say I, I got to go out with a lot of success. You did. Football it lost its last five, including the bowl game. Basketball is just a mess right now. So hopefully the Nick departure um, won't bleed into baseball. Otherwise, man, I think the only thing we can point to, the only conclusion we can come to is that Nick Suss is the reason why Ole Miss now loses, because he left. Or David, my replacement, who's doing a great job, is the bad luck charm. We we can't we can't separate those two factors. Well, there's David and there's Zach and there's Chuck and there's Brad. I mean, it's been a good collection of rotating co-hosts as Nick Suss and that Suss took a back seat. How is the new job? How you enjoying? You enjoying it? It's yeah. I, I keep using the joke with people that it's it's kind of like learning Spanish if you already know French. Like, it's never easy to learn a new language, but I kind of speak a language that's similar. Like, nobody listening to this cares about the nitty-gritty of 
the differences of reporting on college football versus pro football, but there are some big differences. <laughs> and I mean, I, to talk about me being the bad luck charm for a second, when I covered LSU, it took 10 days of me being there for less miles to get fired. When I got to Ole Miss, it took 10 days of me being there for the notice of allegations to come out. And when I got here, it took like two or three weeks for the GM to be fired. So I, I tend to hit the ground running a lot with new jobs. And boy, oh boy, is it not the greatest to cover a GM search and the Titans being on a six-game losing streak of their own. It's not just Ole Miss who have been losing since I changed jobs. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's a cool new world up here. There, There's a little bit more to do in Nashville than there is in Oxford. Ole Miss loses five straight. The Titans lose six straight. What have you done to piss off the universe? I I don't know, Ben. Just my general demeanor. <laughs> I think people just generally, you know, you know how I act. People look at me and they're like, nah, it's not it. Nah, That's we, we not gotta, true. We got to make it miserable. I disagree. I've missed you, my friend. <laughs> it's been different around here. Uh, not, a lot, not a lot has changed, obviously. It's only been a couple months. But um, have you found yourself... On a, I don't know, a Tuesday where you're like, you know what, I don't have a lot going right now. Maybe I should dig up some old like special stats for Ole Miss football. I haven't, but I, I'll tell you this. I'll let you into the window. I have, I use TweetDeck, obviously, to keep up with news. I think a lot of reporters do. And I have not been able to delete my Ole Miss News Twitter thread. I, I still keep that up. I am still keeping up. And I probably will. I would assume at least through baseball season, because I am excited to watch college baseball as a fan this year. That is the one thing I can't quit. I, I've watched like four bowl games, maybe in full three, but God, I'm going to be, I was texting our friend Mitch the other day about like, dude, what weird flow sports channel is your team going to be on this year? Cause I got to keep up with West coast college baseball now. And uh, I'm I'm excited to watch the silliness as a fan. Was the Texas Bowl one of the three bowls you watched to completion? I, I didn't complete it. I, I think I turned that off in the third yeah. or fourth quarter because of the way it was going. But I, I watched a good chunk of it. Were you surprised by that performance from Ole Miss, considering how long you spent with Ole Miss football for years and years and years? No, 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 no. I, I wasn't surprised. I was intrigued that both teams were doing the right thing over and over again and beating their heads against the wall, trying to make the right thing work. Cause I'm sure longtime listeners will remember my weird crusades about the difference between doing the right thing and doing the thing that works. And man, were these teams technically correct about their strategies, but <laughs> being correct and being happy are very different things. And, Olmes did not end up happy despite doing the thing that was probably the correct choice over and over and over again. I was, I would say the one thing that surprised me, I guess, was Trigg coming back to play in that game. I, I don't necessarily understand rushing back from injury to play in the Texas Bowl, but I, I don't know. I think if Zach Evans was healthier, maybe you give him the ball a little bit more. I thought the offensive line play would have been better than that. I thought the, I thought the defense was about as good as it was toward the end of the season. I don't think that anyone who watched the Arkansas game was like, oh, this defense is going to be great against um, 
against Texas Tech, but I, for what it's worth, didn't watch the Arkansas game. So what am I talking about? I don't know, man. I, I think that this is a team that you and I and just about anyone else with a platform spent all of last season saying, well, that's about an eight and four team. And so when they go eight and four, it's hard to be too surprised. Yeah, that's true. But it's the way they started in the hope for more. So you left after Ole Miss loses in an inspired effort against Alabama, and then they lose every other game afterwards. From an outsider's perspective now, how would you diagnose what happened? Gosh, I, I would say that the Alabama loss and the Mississippi State loss, those were, I don't want to say coin flips because the Alabama loss was probably a little bit more than a coin flip, but those were games that either team could have won. I would say in both of those situations, it's hard to be too beat up about competing with teams that I think we could justifiably say ended the season top three in the West. The way State ended the year, they were top three, top four team in the West. I give them credit for it. Alabama obviously kicked into form toward the end of the season and started to look like a top three team again, uh, period. I don't know. I I think that it's again, what we talked about this time last year and last fall and last spring, just this team was always set up to start six and one start seven, no start something like that and hit a wall and they hit that wall. And I don't know if that was players getting fatigued. I don't know if that was players being exposed. I don't know if that was, the lack of chemistry that this team had kind of rearing its ugly head. I, I really don't know how to diagnose why this team was able to win close against Kentucky, but not able to win close against Mississippi state. Uh, That's one of those tricky things of I'm covering the Titans. Now in the last two years, they were 13 and four in one score games. And this year, I believe they're two and three. You can't really, explain why that sort of thing happens why teams go from great in close games to bad in close games but that's kind of what happened the Arkansas game being the outlier of they just got were they out physical is that the best way to put it is it more drastic than that I I don't know I, I just think that this was a team that could not afford two or three key injuries and they happened unlike last year's team where they fought through two or three key injuries and then a lot more than two or three key injuries and still made it to the sugar bowl. This team, the second the offense didn't have two running backs it can count on. And the second the defense couldn't rotate as much in the secondary and up defensive front, things got tough and the toughness kind of took them from potential top 10 contender to fringe top 25 team. And that happened. Well, we're too close to it now. I mean, media fans, we're plugged into it every single day here on the ground in Oxford, around Oxford, around Ole Miss. You're now in Nashville, Tennessee, but you spent so much sweat equity covering Ole Miss. So now what is the fair, measured, pragmatic look at where Lane Kiffin sits today as Ole Miss head coach? Let me put it this way. I think that next year's SEC West is going to be more up for grabs than it has been in a good while. And I don't mean that in a, oh, Alabama's regressing kind of way, because I I don't think that's the case. I still think Alabama's going to be quite good next year. I think more, you guys heard me fade Texas A&M for 
what, 18 straight weeks on this podcast <laughs> telling you don't buy in. Now I'm saying, oh, it might be the time to buy in. I think a and is going to take a step forward next year. LSU has so many great pieces returning, plus a really strong recruiting class. I think they're going to be up around the top of the West, too. State's getting better. Arkansas's returning KJ Jefferson and a lot of that offense. I think the SEC West is going to be back to where it was six, seven years ago of this kind of unimpeachable six of your seven teams could be top 10 teams at some point kind of division. And I think Ole Miss could be in that tier. I think they have a lot of returning pieces. I think that they'll probably need another running back and another receiver or two to step up, but the moves they've made in the portal at receiver are already pretty encouraging. I think that Jackson Dart's going to be another year better in the offense. And maybe this year he could be the quality that Corral was in year one under Kiffin, which would be a huge step forward. Obviously he's going to need a lot of growth to get there, but I think that's kind of the projection of he's finally an upperclassman. He's finally somebody that you can count on to run the offense. Like it's the back of his hand. I think if he has that progression, if they add um, a back that they can count on alongside Quinchon so he doesn't have to carry it 400 times. If they get production from their receivers and tight ends, I think this offense can get back to its 2020, early 2021 form. And then the question is, we, we have yet to see how much this defense is going to be lost to the draft, to the portal, et cetera. And you're probably going to have to rebuild with some new pass rushers. You're going to have to rebuild with some new linebackers. But I still think that what remains of the secondary could be pretty good. So I don't know. I I think that there is reason for optimism with this team. But unlike last year where they cruised to that 5-0, 6-0 start, whatever it was, um, this time they're going to have to go to the team that just won the Cotton Bowl week two. (laughs) <laughs> and that's going to be a little bit different of a start to the season. You won't have Troy and Tulsa and all these teams to cruise past early. You're going to have to play Tulane week two on the road. And that's, that's a, that's a unique kind of challenge. As far as the, because you're an NFL writer now, as far as the NFL guys um, or Ole Miss guys that have entered the NFL draft, <laughs> Zach Evans, Jonathan Mingo, Malik Keith, or a bunch of them, which of those guys, now that you have to look at it through that lens, do you think has the most, transferable, I guess, resume for the NFL. Is it Zach Evans? Because I think that's who it is. I think Zach Evans is going to be the first off the board, and I think that's always a safe pick. I think he's going to be a good player at the next level, uh, providing he can stay healthy. But I also kind of stick back to what I've been saying for four years now. I think A.J. Finley is going to be a 10-year pro. I don't know if he's ever going to be a superstar, but that dude just has hang around and the pros written all over him. I, I just like his skill set. I think he can do everything pretty well. I, I can't remember. Is he playing the Senior Bowl or the NFLPA Bowl? He's playing one of the All-Star games. One or the other. I, I think he's going to look good there. I think he's going to – I don't know if he's going to light it up at the Combine. I don't know if he's going to be picked before the fifth round. But he's just a guy who does everything a defensive back needs to do. And I, I was reading something. There was a ESPN did an anonymous survey of – analytics departments in the NFL and ask them all these things about the future of analytics and football. And one of the questions they asked was which position does analytics 
understand the least about? What do they get wrong the most? Essentially, like, what is undervalued the most by analytics? And they said safety without hesitation. That was the overwhelming answer because it's kind of hard to quantify the value of a safety because so much of it is safety-based. So much of it is just preventing the offense from doing things that it otherwise would be able to do if there wasn't a cap on the defense. And I think that that value, that versatility is something that the NFL is still trying to figure out, still trying to understand, because it's much easier to understand. I don't know how deep into the NFL some of these listeners like, but it's easy to understand what Derwin James is good at. It's a lot harder to understand what Kevin Byard that the Titans is good at. The the safety position is kind of being fractured, bifurcated in a few ways of some people do it this way, some people do it that way, and more of your traditional um, in-the-box, outside-the-box safeties. It's still hard to figure out how valuable they are, even though you look at some of the best teams in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills being a great example, their defenses are led by safety play. Safety play has been kind of a huge asset for some of the best teams in the league. The Ole Miss Athletics Foundation would like to thank Rebel Nation for their incredible support in 2022. Thanks to your generosity, the Champions Now campaign is nearing the $52 million mark. They're looking forward to an even bigger year in 2023. So for information on supporting Ole Miss Athletics, go to givetoathletics.com. That's givetoathletics.com and the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation, one of the many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, 
Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your Ole Miss fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance. And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. Well, bringing it back kind of to the Tennessee Titans, when you look at Jonathan Mingo's draft potential, you've heard a lot from like Lane Kiffin. He said, oh, he's an NFL wide receiver. He's a first round or whatever. I don't see that, obviously, and I don't think NFL scouts will either. But um, he has to sell this guy. Jonathan Mingo's a really good player. He's going to make it to the league. How could you kind of quantify his upside? Because for me, he just looks like a lesser version. It's not a knock on him, but a lesser version of A.J. Brown in, you know, to bring it to the Titans, Traylon Burks. Yeah, I – the thing with Mingo is a thing that I will have with a lot of players is that I have an inherent bias towards dudes who put up numbers. And I understand that in the modern NFL, teams are getting better and better at identifying tools and saying, oh, this guy can do this, so let's teach him how. And that's all coaching, and I think that good coaching can win in the league. But Mingo was in high-powered passing offenses for four years at Ole Miss, or three. I guess he was on the Rich Rod team one year. And he never really emerged as a true number one target. And 
he was heading that way before his injury in 21. And I get that. And that kind of gives me some enthusiasm. But I look at some of these other receivers who are going to be picked at the top of this draft, whether it is uh, Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba or Quentin Johnson, or there are a lot of guys who are probably going to be top shelf receivers. And they produced, (laughs) they were uncoverable. They put up big numbers. They caught a ton of passes. Mingo, for whatever reason, wasn't really that guy in college. And, And I guess a person you can compare him to is, well, George Pickens didn't produce and he had those tools and he went in the third or fourth round and he's turned out to be a pretty good pro with Steelers. I, I don't know if Mingo has the overwhelming skill set that Pickens did, but I guess that might be his path to finding a role. A team drafts him knowing that he's a bit of a project player, but the production can come because he has those tools, those skills. And I think Malik Heath could just as well be one of those guys. I don't know. I, I think that Mingo's going to be a good locker room guy. I think he's going to be a guy who has the physicality that teams might look for as, well, if he can't play receiver, we know he can make some plays on special teams. I think that's something that shouldn't be underestimated. I, I don't know. I, I, if you asked me right now, will Jonathan Mingo be an NFL starter? My instinct is no but that doesn't mean my instinct is right. Yeah, I love Jonathan Mingo, and I, w- I wish he had one more year to come stick around at Ole Miss, but, and it's no knock on him. When you look at their projections as far as the NFL, I think it's safer to bet on Malik Heath than Jonathan Mingo. Yeah, probably. I, I think that's probably a, a good assessment. And with Heath, the bigger thing will have to be, does Malik Heath react well to not being the guy from day one? which he probably will. I'm not going to say he can't, but that's always the issue with Malik Heath is getting out of Malik Heath's way. Has your expectations or have your expectations been tempered at all as far as what you think Ole Miss can be under Lane Kiffin because of how they finished? No, I I don't really think that changed very much. I think the only thing that changed is the rest of the SEC West. Um, that's That's the thing that's always going to be the consideration in the same way that the Hugh Freeze era kind of as much as Hugh had those high highs, you also had to be aware, well, they're high when teams like LSU and Auburn are kind of down right now. And that's always the uh, watch out, be close. The the SEC West is always going to come back with a vengeance. So the way I look at this SEC West I do think that there is going to be a hierarchy with Alabama, LSU, and A&M at the top. And Jimbo might make it so A&M is not at the top. I I do have a little bit of optimism for A&M, given that the exodus out of there was nowhere near as dramatic as I think some of us expected. They it lost was still a ton pretty of players, dramatic, though, dude. They lost a ton of players. They didn't lose a ton of players who I thought mattered, is the thing. Like, they lost, what, three or four dudes from that massive class, and then the rest were upperclassmen? Am I wrong about that? I can't remember the exact number, but Chris Marshall, the reason why he's no longer in Texas A&M Aggie and Ole Miss Rebels because of off-the-field stuff and 
Uh, just yeah, yeah, I mean, like you, you could honestly say a lot of the reason why they've had so many departures, even though it's maybe not what you expected to be, is because it didn't turn out the way Jimbo thought it was going to turn out, and that's all a reflection on Jimbo. Jimbo yeah, is what's I, holding I think Texas A&M back. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I, I mean, they should have tempered expectations from the beginning and said, right. just think about how good we're going to be in 2024. Right. They shouldn't have said we're going to be number one in 2022. That was They were playing freshmen everywhere. But I do think that that growth is going to be um, – It's they're going to grow this year. I think they're going to be a little better this year, and I think LSU is going to stay pretty darn consistent, and I think Alabama is obviously going to be Alabama. That leaves Ole Miss kind of back in the – thing we've always been able to say about Ole Miss of they can get up to eight or nine wins once every three or four years. And that's not a bad thing. That's kind of always been where Ole Miss is at. Now I would say eight or nine turns into nine or 10, which is really good. If you can say every third or fourth year, we should be competing for nine or 10 wins. But I do think that for as good of a coach as Kiffin is, and for as good at selling Lane Kiffin as Lane Kiffin is, one thing he's never given himself the opportunity to do is sustain a program. He was out at USC after three and a half years. He stayed at Alabama for three years. He stayed at FAU for three years. This getting into year four thing is kind of uncharted territory. And we're talking about a guy who really in his 10 plus years of coaching had two top 10 caliber teams. He had the one at USC when they were on a bull band and then he had the, the 21 rebels. He's going to need to show that he can do it for a longer period of time. And I guess I realistically bet on Saban and Kelly and Fisher's track records a little bit more than Kiffin's with no disrespect to Kiffin, just knowing those are all guys who have built sustained programs and competed for, and in two of the three cases, won championships. I don't know. I, I do think that this is a team that has raised the ceiling, raised the bar of what Ole Miss success looks like, but I still don't think I'm ready to say, oh, this is a team that's in that top tier. This is a program that should be in the conversation for SEC West titles every year. Well, the problem with that is Kiffin's getting paid in year-to-year compensation to have those kind of years. And that's kind of what the expectation he is. Not kind of. That's what he's laid out. When he, in sure. his introductory press conference, he said, hey, we're here to win. After the Alabama law, say, hey, this is not good enough. It's this self-fulfilling prophecy of you wanted Ole Miss fans to expect more and to demand more. And now that they are, you can't then have a problem with them demanding more. No, which is why my attitude has always been, be realistic, you guys. Sometimes it's good to have the expectation raised and other times all you're doing is setting yourself up to be angry in the future and I think sports joy and sports anger go hand in hand I think that it is great to experience sports joy but don't don't go gung-ho thinking oh if we don't go 12 and 0 I'm gonna be sad because I don't think that's enjoyable I like I I know some of you guys know I'm a I'm a UGA grad I'm not really a UGA fan I was if anything, rooting for Ohio State the other day. But I know a lot of Georgia fans. I am related to a lot of Georgia fans. I don't think they're happy right now. Like, I don't think they can be happy unless the season finishes 15-0 and with a championship. 
I think being on the top is a lot more pressure than people realize. And if I was like raising a child right now to love college sports, I would be like, pick any school you want, as long as they don't have a one, two, three, or four in front of their name. That just, that just seems rough. Yeah. I think the thing is, is that Ole Miss phase would just take one of those. And and that's what this season kind of promised. And, then it fell apart completely and just became another Ole Miss season. And yeah, eight wins objectively is good, especially at Ole Miss historically, but that's just not what fans have been kind of coached by their head coach to believe in anymore. So if you could just get Which one of them. Yeah, and feel your feelings. Don't don't let it fester. But also remember that the sport we all love, collegiate American football, and now is NFL football with prob- Nick in Tennessee. Is probably the dumbest version of the sport. Like, college football, beloved, great. It's pretty dumb. Like, <laughs> the outcomes, the predictability of it, it's pretty dumb. Like, dumb stuff happens on the reg. What an amazing like, backdoor cover by Mississippi State, by the way. Yeah, dumb stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Like... The the beauty and the stupidity of both of those playoff semifinals. And these are four of the best teams in the country just playing objectively weird football. Like, those games were so weird. Objectively and, weird football. Like, like, like how else would you describe Michigan TCU you other than objectively weird how else would you describe the inevitability of ruggles missing that kick for ohio state as the clock struck midnight that's the thing we were like, all everybody watching watches. them watching him line up knew that that that's no chance no shot yeah the like if that's an nfl game and we are watching a professional kicker line up to go to the super bowl we're all thinking oh man, this is going to be remembered forever. He's going to go down in lore. Everybody's going to love him. We're watching this college game and we're thinking, I hope he doesn't have Twitter. Like, it's it's a weird sport where the most aggressive people online are going to tweet at 16-year-olds saying that was a bad official visit you took. Like, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. And we love it. But with that stupidity comes stupid outcomes, comes the inferior team winning often. And I'm not saying, oh, root for yourself to be the inferior team 12 times and win stupid all 12 times. It's it's good to win a game 63 to 7 sometimes. And I know Ole Miss is capable of doing that against the teams they need to beat bad. But to kind of go back to what I was saying of the Alabama game and the Mississippi state game and the Kentucky game. And so many of those being coin flips this year, sometimes you're going to be a team like 2013 Auburn and you're just going to keep winning coin flips in the weirdest ways on your way to a championship. They went to the BCS championship game that year by their last two regular season games were convert a fourth and 26 that bounced off a Georgia player's (laughs) hands. And then the kick six. Yeah. Like, And that team went to the championship. That team was considered one of the two best teams in the country. And that's how they won. So remember, if there is one lesson that you hear from this and all other occurrences of that stuff on the Talk of Champions podcast, it's a dumb sport and we love it for it. Don't think that I'm saying, oh, this is dumb and that means it's bad. It's dumb and that's what makes it great. I have three questions. You can answer them as long or as short as you want. The first one. Sure. 
is TCU and Georgia in the national championship game. Is it inevitability that Georgia's going to win? There does feel some magic. There does feel like there's some magic, some something special happening with TCU. Yeah, TCU's got some magic, but I also don't know if Georgia's going to lose again by the time your kids are in college. (laughs) (laughs) Just like they might not lose, man. Ah. Lord J. Clay at Lord J. Clay on Twitter asked me this on December 29, 2022. This is what he was thinking about at the end of the year. Ben, love your content. And I'll be honest, I've missed Nick. He's my friend. I've tried to leave him alone because his entire life has been upended both professionally and personally. You're getting married soon. I mean, you got a lot going on. So I've tried to leave him alone. But when I was asked this question on Twitter, you're the first person. I said, you know what? I need to ask Nick this question. Only you can answer this question adequately. Lord J. Clay, love your content. Ben, my question for you is, is Kiffin a better coach than Shane Beamer? This is the most Nick says question ever. Seems that South Carolina's future is a lot brighter. Beamer has been a better recruiter and has beaten higher-ranked teams. We should have easily finished Ole Miss as the week. Should have easily finished the season with at least 10 wins. I'll leave it to you for that sus. So here's a game that I kind of came up with yesterday. Let's say Lane Kiffin and Shane Beamer get hired for the same job, a weird universe where they get to do the same job at the same time. But the rule is they get hired on August 1st. They don't have a year to build a program. They don't have any time to recruit. They don't have any time to get portal guys. They have to coach the team they inherited on August 1st. That team went six and six the year before. Which of those two coaches are you betting to have the better record year one with an inherited six and six roster? Kevin. If that's how you define better coach, I take Beamer. Oh, but I don't necessarily think that that's the only gauge of coaching. And so what you're seeing from Beamer right now is a guy who is really good at getting the most out of the players he has. But we know that college football is so much more about getting guys and developing guys and figuring out ways to maximize the talent level you have on your campus. And because of that, I think I would still take Kiffin as a better coach. But when it comes to, I look up and down South Carolina's roster and there's no way that team should have won eight games and they won eight games. Beamer got the most out of his players. He won some really tough games. He beat some really good teams, most of whom wore orange and the team got better by the end of the year. And you give them credit for finishing strong. I think that is good Monday to Friday coaching. But if you're asking me who is a better January to August coach and who is a better Saturday coach, I would still take Kevin. Well, here's the last one. I hate to end it this way, but I mean, it's the story in all of football. DeMar Hamlin, the safety or defensive back, excuse me, for the Bills, um, had a cardiac event on the field last night, postponed the game between the Bills and the Bengals. You cover the NFL now when you saw that and you've seen the fallout from it. He's in critical condition right now. What has kind of been um, your just view of things as it's happened right now? What I said was it's tragic and it's sobering and it's such a painful reminder that at the end of what realistically was one of the best weekends of football any of us have ever seen, Um, between college and pro combined for it to end with that moment 
it's a really stark reminder of the brutality of what we all choose to watch. And I am never going to be the one to advocate for wholesale changes to the sport. I think that the sport exists as it exists and the brutality is baked into it. And that's something that we as consumers and we as media are all accessories to. We all understand that that's part of the game and there is such an immense risk involved. So I think one of my big takeaways is you have to respect the players and coaches so much for being aware that this is what they're signing up for. I think that we as fans sometimes think way too big picture about football. I think that we have this problem of we reduce it to wins and losses. We reduce it to the spreadsheet. We reduce it to the betting lines. We reduce it to the utility and the joy it creates instead of remembering there are 53 players on an NFL team, 100 players on a college team, whatever you want to say, who every time they go out there, they are at risk of something devastating happening in in the present or setting themselves up to have devastating injury in the future. And it's sobering and terrifying to know that this is our pastime is watching people put their lives at risk. I'm sure that boxing fans feel the same way. I'm sure that hockey fans feel the same way. I'm sure that there are MMA fans, any sport that involves inherent brutality. There is that undercurrent of knowledge that something horrifying can happen. And I don't know if the lesson is be thankful that it doesn't happen more. I don't know if the lesson is be thankful that the players are willing to put themselves at this risk. I I really don't know what it is, especially in college when a lot of the people playing are children, when a lot of the people playing are playing because this is their only or best way to get a college education affordably. I don't know if we should feel this way because we know that middle school and high school kids play this game and that that can happen to children. There's so much that's conflicting about this because it's a game we all love and it's a game we all want to love and it's a game we want to stick around for as long as possible. But the, the brutality of it, the the risk of it is so painful, so stark that sometimes we do have to reflect on exactly what it is that we love and, and how thankful we should be that this sort of thing doesn't happen more. The lesson for me is media fans, you know, we talk about it every day and we, and, and like you spoke, we think of big picture and we think about, Oh, well they lost five of their last six. Um, and sometimes the emotion can play into it to where you go on, message boards or social media and you vent frustration. That's a very human emotion to be frustrated by something that you put so much love and your own like attention and time into. So I get that. Sometimes when you, when you're at your most frustrated and you're out there trying to want to say something and feel like you have to yell into the void that that sucked and I'm mad about it. 
Um, just remember, there are human beings that are having car wrecks every single play. Yeah, it's frustrating, but they're not trying to lose, and they're not trying to do poorly. These guys, I mean, they're they're not just working eight eight to five. They're working eight to eight, and then they're going out on Saturdays and putting literally their lives on the line, as we saw with DeMar Hamlin. So, like, that was my biggest takeaway from it is sometimes we can forget in this culture where we react to everything all the time in real time. These are still human beings, man. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Bit on Twitter. He's Nick Suss at Nick Suss. Covers the Tennessee Titans, not your Ole Miss Rebels. The Tennessee Titans for the Tennessee. And I miss you, my friend. It was good catching up. Let's do it again. Yeah, no. I, as soon as these seasons end, when I am not going to locker room open six days a week and covering games on the 7th, I'll, I'll have some more time to, to shoot the shit with you guys. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Ben. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.